We don't need to feel distant from God. Pastor Ed Taylor tells us why. You and I, we need to be reminded of our distance from God and how he met that distance by sending his son, Jesus Christ. So now that you can draw near, you may still feel like you're distant, but you're not. That's just a feeling. Don't believe it. You're as close to Jesus Christ by faith as you ever will be. You won't get any closer. He loves you the same today than he would any other day. There is no measure of love for God. He loves you. He loves you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You It said, you either control your emotions or they will control you. That can be a challenge at times, but knowing God loves us helps us to trust Him and not our emotions. Glad you've tuned in today for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the book of Hebrews, and as we begin chapter 10, we'll hear of God's love and of His Word. What a difference both make in our lives. Here's Pastor Ed. We start a new chapter today in a Bible study that I've entitled, A Man of the Book. Speaking, of course, of Jesus Christ, he is and was a man of the book. And we too are to be men and women of the book. Not just any book, but the book that we know as the Bible. Chapter 10 brings us to a new section in the book of Hebrews. As you'll remember, that the book of Hebrews is filled with warnings because it's written to a group of Jewish Christians that have embraced their Savior, their Messiah. They are following Him wholeheartedly. They have left the old system of religion behind and they fully embraced the promised Messiah, the fulfillment of all that they studied. But then they started hitting a roadblock. And they have lost everything for their faith in Jesus, lost their family, lost their possessions, lost their career, and they're wavering. And so Paul, he takes quill in hand and he writes them a letter, not only to theologically convince them and remind us, not just them then, but us now, of the theological implications. And remember, don't let that word theology stumble you. It just simply means the study of God. And that there is a substance behind the teachings in the Bible. So theologically, he's making a biblical case of why following Jesus is the right decision. And in this case, the backdrop is to leave the old covenant and embrace the new. But the truth is the same. It is worthwhile for you to place your lives and your entire being under the care of your Creator. It is worth your time and effort to repent of your sins, to turn your life away from your past and toward God, to, as we sing today, surrender your life, as we sing today, to submit your life to Him, to live your life not for your own desires and your own deal, which is going to pass. My pastor has told us many times, and I've shared it with you, only one life will soon be passed, 
And only what's done for Jesus Christ is going to last. Everything else isn't going to matter. You could have the biggest house. You can have the greatest car. You can have all the money you thought you needed. But it's not going to last. It will not go into eternity. And it will not save you. You cannot buy your salvation. Salvation is not a status symbol. It is a place of God changing you on the inside out. It's a position of your heart where you're born again. And there's no need to go and search anywhere else. You're to be a man or a woman of the book. Because you know the book, the Bible? The Bible is about God. I think many people get this wrong. The Bible is about God. Did you know the Bible is not about you? A lot of people make mistakes where they read the Bible and they kind of make it about them. The Bible is not about you. The Bible is not about the church. The Bible is not about instruction and education. You can jot this down if you didn't already know. I'm going to let you in on a powerful truth. The Bible is about God. It's His book. And as you read it, He reveals it. You know, you would never know God unless He revealed Himself to you. You would never know who He is. You would never understand His character, His nature, His love, His grace, His mercy. Another thing you'd never understand is how much you need Him had He not given you His Word. And so the Bible is about God first and foremost. Then it's about you in your relationship to God. Then it's about the church. Then it's about life. But the Bible, unless you put God first, you'll never understand the Bible. You'll never grasp it. Just notice verse 7. We'll just jump ahead real quick. You could say in a deeper sense that the Bible is about Jesus on every page. Notice verse 7 of chapter 10. This is Jesus speaking. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. In the volume of the book, it's about Jesus Christ. And today you are either in relationship with him or you are not. And it's our desire for you to recognize your need for Jesus Christ today and surrender your life. This book of Hebrews was written as a strong encouragement, but also to comfort the believers that they made the right decision. You made the right decision following Jesus Christ, church. I want you to know that. Today, right now, you made the right decision. It was true and right and good that you turned away from your sins and embraced Jesus as your Savior. It was the right decision. Turn around to somebody and tell them it was the right decision. Tell them. Just say it was the right decision. Yes, it was. Now, of course, if you turn to an unbeliever, you got to tell them, make the right decision. But you don't know, so we don't know. We don't know. We don't judge you either if you're here just checking things out and wondering about God. I walked into a church just like that myself. I was checking things out. The last place on the planet Earth that I wanted to be was in a church. That would have been the last thing on my list if it ever made the list of the places I would want to be. But because a friend invited me to check out his church, I took him up on the challenge to check that church out. And what happened was God checked me out and revealed his great love to me that God would forgive even someone as bad as me. And you know, God, he can forgive even someone as bad as you. He is ready and willing to forgive you of your sins today. When you choose Jesus, it's the right decision. And God is encouraging us through the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the end of all that you've been looking for. He is your sufficiency in life and in theology. In your search for God, you found him in Jesus Christ. So if you're taking notes, let me just remind you that the book of Hebrews is filled with warnings. Remember, there were five warnings that are given in the book of Hebrews. The first one was the warning against drifting from the word of God. We saw that in chapter one and chapter two. 
Don't drift away from the Word of God. We also did a mini-series on backsliding in that season. We're in our, I think, our 44th Bible study in the book of Hebrews. So you got to go back a few months to our time there. But it was warned, don't drift away from the Word of God. Secondly, there was a warning against doubting the Word of God. Chapters 3 and 4, don't doubt the Word of God. You can trust the Word of God. You can trust the Bible. It is worthy of your trust. Thirdly, don't become dull, D-U-L-L. Don't become dull toward the Word of God. And that happens through repetition. That happens in a church like this where you're here week after week, and it doesn't matter who's filling the pulpit, who's teaching, you will get taught the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And on top of that, you can tune into the radio, and 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Monday through Friday, you have the Word of God taught to you most Sunday and on occasional a couple spots on Saturday. You can have the Bible constantly, constantly. And what happens when you constantly do something, it's easy to become dull. I'm just like, ah, oh, whatever, another Bible study, another Bible study. Yes, another Bible study so that God might use it. You've got to be careful. Number four, there's the warning against despising God's word, which is where we're starting here in chapter 10. It's a whole new section. Don't despise the word of God. And then finally, the last warning, we'll get to it in chapter 12, is the warning against defying, going against the word of God. And so it's really a call, the book of Hebrews, to hear and heed the word of God. So let's pick up in verse 1 of chapter 10, as it says, For the law having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, mark those two words, mark the phrase the law, circle it, and then mark the phrase can never, circle it, put a little line next to it. This is an important truth. The law can never, never with these same sacrifices make the person that approaches perfect. This isn't new for us. It's a summary. The law, and again, if you haven't already, next to the law, you can write the Old Covenant, because that's what it means. It's synonymous. The Old Covenant or the Old Testament can never make someone perfect. The law can never make someone perfect. It doesn't change you, the law. You can't look to the law and say, this changes me. But we've learned that when we open the Bible, it doesn't change us. The Old Testament, the Old Covenant doesn't change us. It reveals to us our need for change. He says, look, the Old Covenant, what you left, can never make you perfect. And really what he's saying is, why would you go back to something that never will put you back on this cycle of never being perfect? And then he uses this amazing spiritually anointed logic in verse 2. He says, For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For worshipers, once purged, would have had no more consciousness of their sins. This is brilliant. Now, I know we don't have to say this about the Bible, but this is brilliant. This is simple logic. Think of it this way. Doesn't it frustrate you when you're talking to someone, maybe having a disagreement, but the other person doesn't use logic? Does that frustrate you? It's like you're all looking at me like, Ed, that's your problem, not my problem. But it's our problem. Doesn't that frustrate you, yes or no? Yes. Like you're talking to me like, what you're saying doesn't even make sense. Doesn't even make sense. And so Paul's like saying, what you guys are about to do doesn't even make sense. Why would you leave Jesus and go back to a system that never makes anyone perfect? And go, what do you mean it doesn't make anyone perfect? Well, just look at them. They sacrifice every year. If the sacrifice, here's the logic. If the sacrifice has made a person perfect, then they wouldn't have to sacrifice anymore. Do you get it? It's that simple. So he's just, sometimes it's just the simple things that help us. The reality of Humanistic evolution, you know, and, and the old theories of, you know, what man used to be a monkey. 
So simple logic. If monkeys become men, then why are there still monkeys? Oh, Ed, you need billions and billions. Ah, whatever. No, it's not true. It's not logical. And so Paul, the Bible is filled with just simple logic because God is logical. He's a God of order, not chaos. He's not the author of confusion. He's the author of wisdom. So he's simple, just simple stuff here. Verse 3, for those sacrifices, in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year for it's not possible. So you got it together. The old covenant, the sacrificial system can never, is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. It's not possible. The blood of bulls and goats did not forgive the people of their sins. God forgave them of their sins. Living in the Old Testament times under the Old Covenant, the children of Israel only lived with shadows. Every animal that was sacrificed pointed to the coming Messiah. Every part of the incense, everything as we studied through the tabernacle, everything had meaning pointing to Jesus Christ. They lived by faith, trusting that God would one day, any day, fulfill all of the shadows with his promised Messiah. But the endless offerings of the law could never make a person right. If they could, then Paul says, then why don't they stop? And even as he's writing this, the system is ongoing. It's happening right there. They're still sacrificing animals. So why, why didn't they stop? Well, because they needed to continue until Messiah came. But he came. And because they didn't stop, you know, on that day of atonement, that one time of the year, not, not only did they sacrifice, but the high priest would remind the people verbally of their sins and transgressions. Remember, we've looked a lot at that scapegoat. But after the animal was sacrificed in the Holy of Holies, on the mercy seat where the blood was spread, because the mercy seat on top of the Ark of the Covenant was what? A picture and type of Jesus, who is our mercy seat. He is our atonement. He is the one that forgives us. So after he'd come out with his hands bloody, he'd stick his bloody hands on that head of the goat, the scapegoat, and he would pronounce the sins one by one of the people over the people. They'd have to hear again of their failures and their sins against a holy and a righteous God. Which reminds us, as you're out and about sharing the love of God with people and encouraging them and maybe even inviting them to a church service or telling them to listen to the radio and they don't, and they don't want to, and they're greatly resistant to you, one of the reasons is, is they don't want to hear about their sin. And that's normal. Who wants to hear about their sin? But the gathering of the saints like this today, like when we gather together to this building, one of the things that happens is we're reminded, well, first of all, we're reminded of God and his great love and goodness in our lives. But how can we think of God and not think about our own failures and the distance really between us and God? God is holy and we are not. And then let's say you failed this week. Let's say you failed many times. Let's say you had a big issue, big difficulty this week. You're reminded of that. Maybe you had some pain this week. Well, you're reminded of that. And you're reminded not only of your sin, but also the sin of this world and how upside down this world is and how much pain and sorrow and difficulty and suffering happens because of sin. And so people stay away from that. They don't want to hear about sin. But see, you need to hear about sin because when you think of God and you think of sin, your next thought is, well, what do I do about it? What do I do about my distance from God? And then you begin to think about, wonder what God thinks about my sin. 
And as the sacrificial system was ongoing for the children of Israel then, they were reminded of their sin every year at the bare minimum. But each time they'd bring an offering, they were reminded of their distance from God. They were reminded of their need for God. And you and I, we need to be reminded of our distance from God and our need from God and how he met that distance by sending his son, Jesus Christ. So now that you can draw near, you may still feel like you're distant, but you're not. That's just a feeling. Don't believe it. You're as close to Jesus Christ by faith as you ever will be. You won't get any closer. He loves you the same today than he would any other day. There is no measure of love for God. He loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. And so people stay away from a place like this. They stay away from Christian radio where there's teaching because they have to deal with these things. And it just seems for people that it's easier to not deal with these things, just to pretend it doesn't happen, to pretend I'm not that bad, just to pretend you live a life of pretend, you're going to have to face the judgment day. And that's not going to be pretend, it's real. And the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you is real, as we saw in our study last time. Pick up with me now in verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, and notice in your Bibles it's capitalized. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, speaking of Jesus, he's quoting now from the Psalms, Psalm 40. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. To do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. In this, Jesus came, it says, here's the explanation. He takes away the first, which was the old covenant, that he might establish the second, the new covenant. You've entered into to the completion, Paul says. By that, will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So the final sacrifice of Jesus replaces all of the repetitive sacrifices. But I want you to notice the, what is being quoted here because it's, Jesus Christ's coming is a fulfillment of prophecy. God predicted that he would come. From the shadows, Paul reminds them of the substance that they find in Jesus Christ. That, that he has come in a body, it says in verse 10. A body. Jesus Christ came to earth in human flesh. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus came and took on a human body. This is known as the doctrine of the incarnation. God becoming human, a 100% God, 100% human. And the word of God foretold it and predicted it. Why would you leave the substance of God in human flesh is really the point that is being made here to go back to the shadows. But I want to spend some time here in verse 7 on the significance of this phrase. In the volume of the book, it is written of me, Jesus said. The volume of the book. Jesus was a man of the book. And the book is about Jesus. He was a man of the book. Not many books, but the book. And by the time of this writing, this was the inspired scriptures of the Old Testament. 
what we know today as the Old Testament. Jesus was a man of the book. Turn over to 2 Timothy, would you please? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because of Jesus' commitment to the Word of God, we are to be committed to the Word of God. And as we study the volume, we need to look for Jesus on every page. And we need to be men and women of the book. And if you're new to Calvary, this is your first time here, or this has been your home church for a long time, it's worth reminding you today that we are a church about the book, the Bible. That is it. That's the tool that we use here. And we have chosen to adopt the methodology with the Bible to teach it, not to teach from it, not to teach about it, but to teach you the Bible, word for word, verse by verse, book by book, chapter by chapter. I didn't put them all in order, but you get it. Everything in the Bible, we're going to teach you. And we're going to teach it not only what it says, but what it means, and then what it means for you. It's the Bible. It's the Bible that you need. You don't need my opinions. You don't need my stories. You need the Bible. And here, week after week, you're going to get the Bible. And you're going to get it no matter, like I said, no matter who's filling the pulpit, you're going to get the Bible. Why? Because that's what you need. It may not always be what you want, but too bad. You're going to get it because you need it. We need the Bible. Some of you are real frustrated right now in your spiritual walk. You go, I'm just not growing. I don't find the kind of spiritual growth. I don't know. You might even have this attitude of, oh, you know, Christianity doesn't work for me. Or you might be listening on the radio kind of going through and you're like, well, you know, I tried Christianity and it didn't work. Not true. Whatever you tried, it wasn't Christianity. Because Jesus never fails. And Christianity is a relationship with him as you learn about him through his word, will not fail you. So I don't know what you tried, but it wasn't a relationship with Jesus Christ. But let me give you, I'm going to tell you guys, because, you know, you get frustrated. You get frustrated about your spiritual walk. You go, well, you know, I need a class. I need a teacher. And, you know, I'm telling you, this is more and more, more and more. Almost every week I get somebody emailing me, Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, I've been watching this YouTube video, and, and I want you to watch it and tell me if you like this guy. Don't send me those videos. I don't have time. I got one just this week. And in the question, the way that the person described the question, I could already tell, stop watching this guy. You already know the Holy Spirit's ringing alarms. But here's the thing. I've been around long enough. I've been here 20 years now. I've been around long enough where I have seen what the Bible says that winds of doctrine flow through our city, flow through our church, flow through different people coming in with all kinds of weird stuff that they made up. Used to be found on Christian TV, but now it's on YouTube and this tube and that tube. And like, stop watching YouTube and read your Bible. That, that's really the es essence of this. Now, of course, we're asking for audio and video servants because we also have things on YouTube, but you can, that's all right. All right. <laughs> we want good teaching out there, so there's good stuff. I'm not. But stop looking for something new and just read your Bible. You want to grow? I'm going to give you a class. You say, oh, Ed, I need a class. I need to watch a series of videos. Give me some MP3s. How can I grow? I'm going to give it to you right now. We got two classes we're going to do right now. Ready? Class number one. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, read your Bible. So here's the test. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, what do you need to do, class? A++. You're going on to second class now. 
We'll get to that second class next time when Pastor Ed Taylor returns. A little hint, it's to do what you read. More on that next time. But in the meantime, know that God will bless you as you become people of the book. This is Abounding Grace. If you joined us late or would just like to hear the message again, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Pastor Ed is through the app. It's free. Just search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor. And we're also on Apple Podcasts. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners, just like you. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, be sure to request The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin. You'll observe Jesus as the ultimate servant and discover how to become great in the kingdom of God through servanthood. Call 877-30-GRACE and don't forget to request the Jesus style. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it online at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Pastor Ed always enjoys hearing from his listeners. Even just a quick hello means a lot. To request prayer, ask a question, or to let us know what God is up to in your life, email us through the website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of Hebrews. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.